concentrate on finding a nice Christmas tree. I suggest we try those searchlights, Charlie Brown. This really brings Christmas close to a person. Fantastic. care. I'll decorate it and it'll be just right for our play. Besides, I think it needs me. Well, Merry Christmas, Heritage. I'm so glad you're here. I want to welcome all of you. I want to greet our Bendor family as well. Thanks for tuning in and those online and all of you here at Rock Island. Christmas is nearly upon us, and it's the day we celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And I absolutely love this time of year. I love the decorations, the music, the family traditions. But I wonder what makes it Christmas for you? What do you need for Christmas to be Christmas? People can be divided about what makes Christmas Christmas and, and not really understand what it's about or what it's for or even what it means for us today. But that's one of the reasons why as a church family over the Advent season, we've been looking at what the coming of Jesus really means in our Christmas at the Movies series. With the help of a few Christmas classics, we've been unpacking the implications of the birth of Jesus, what it even means for us today. But classics like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We saw in that moment that being a misfit actually fits us, but that we can also have redeemed purpose. Then we spent some time around a Christmas story, and we considered what we're anticipating and whether or not we, tr we truly trust our Heavenly Father to give us what we need when we need it. And then, with the frivolity of Elf, we took a moment to understand that our true identity is not in what we have or do, but in what Jesus has done. And even last weekend, through How the Grinch Stole Christmas, we saw that the secret to joy is being rightly related to Jesus. And it has nothing to do with our circumstances. Each of those movies have allowed us to see glimpses of joy and to better understand what the coming of Jesus means. And if you missed any of those, you can find them online at heritageqc.com under the media tab. 
But tonight, I want to give one more Christmas classic. Take a look at one more. One that's been around for 50 years. And that's a Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, this TV animation special was based out of the comic strip by Charles M. Schultz called Peanuts. And that comic strip started in 1950 and it ran for 50 years. The TV special came out in 1965, so it's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And there is a new Peanuts movie in theaters right now that masterfully connects and ties back to many of the things in the 50-year journey of the Peanuts comic strip. But it was that comic strip that was most important and most influential in its medium. During its period, it published more than 18,000 strips. In the peak of its day, it was in 2,600 different newspapers, in 21 different languages, in 75 different countries, and had more than 355 million readers. That's impressive. And it was considered to be the longest story ever told by one human being. Fascinating. Now, it may be the longest story, but it's not the most important one. And in fact, it's actually a little bit quirky. Don't get me wrong, I like Charlie Brown, and as a kid, I look forward to all the TV specials in each season. But you have to admit, the Peanuts crew was a little bit odd. They had, each of them had some dysfunction. Like, just consider Charlie Brown himself. He was a nervous, insecure kid every day. Even Lucy, who's over on the far side, she was a an overbearing, bossy, self-proclaimed expert in many areas. And you may know somebody like that right now, but just please don't point to them or elbow them, okay? That wouldn't be good. Even consider Schroeder, who, who hid behind his ability and talent and chose to interact with the piano more than interact with people. Pigpen was another guy in the group. He's in the back here, and he was a good kid, but he had trouble being clean. He was just filthy. And then there's Linus who for whatever reason sucked his thumb and had an unhealthy dependence upon his blanket. The whole Peanuts crew was dysfunctional. And the Charlie Brown Christmas story shows that dysfunction, which in many ways is incredibly appropriate because we all have our own level of dysfunction. We can even be like the characters in the Peanuts comic strip. We can be mean like Lucy and shred people verbally. We can hide behind our ability and our performance like Schroeder. And we can even struggle with our identity and insecurity like both Charlie Brown and Linus. I can relate to several of those, even the aspect of insecurity. That's part of my personal journey. As a kid, I even had a blanket like Linus. It was one that had satin on the edges, and I used to take my fingers and wrap them in there just to feel the the silkiness of it all. And I found great comfort in that that blanket, and I took it everywhere until I was like 18 or 19 years old. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I was like four or maybe five. But behind the blanket was the insecurity of an introverted kid, which is kind of funny when you consider where God has led me and how he's asked me to serve him. I don't naturally desire to stand in front of people and talk. It clashes with my insecurity and my natural dysfunction. But isn't that the beauty of what God does? He enables us to do things we can't do on our own. He redeems our dysfunction. And we all have some level of dysfunction. 
And I think it's at this time of year that it can feel more obvious, more overt, even exacerbated by family gatherings. We put up beautiful decorations, we dress with festive garb, and we put on our best face and smile at Christmas gatherings, all the while hiding our brokenness, hiding our pain, hiding our imperfections, wishing for something different. When you put on top of that the stress and pressure of the season, the pressure to find the perfect gift, to spend money we don't have, to work to keep the peace among the family by avoiding certain discussions and certain topics and emotional triggers and even certain people, all the while hoping they don't realize we'd rather not be there at all. When we experience that, the Peanuts crew looks a little less dysfunctional, looks a little less odd. Because the reality is that what we experience at Christmas can be just as dysfunctional, if not more. We have dysfunction. Our families can be dysfunctional. And so the Peanuts and us, we're dysfunctional. And it can drive us nuts, pun intended. Now, it may seem a little bit odd that we would be talking about the reality of dysfunction on Christmas Eve. But then again, isn't that what Christmas is all about? Dealing with our dysfunction? God becoming man to address our dysfunction, to lead us back to who we were supposed to be in the first place. We can get caught up in the decorations and traditions and stories of Christmas and try to just cover up our dysfunction and our imperfections and then lose sight of what Christmas is really all about. That's actually kind of what happened to Charlie Brown in the midst of a Christmas pageant, his dog competing in a decorating competition, the search for a perfect tree, and drama with his family and friends. Charlie Brown and nearly everybody else around him loses focus and forgets what's most important at Christmas until something special happens. It's actually a bold move by one of the more dysfunctional members of the group, the kid with the blanket. And what he does changes everything. I want to show you the clip. This picks up the story where Charlie Brown comes back with the Christmas tree to the group, and we get to see where everyone's dysfunction collides with what Christmas is all about. Check it out. We're back. Boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown. What kind of a tree is that? You are supposed to get a good tree. Can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree? I told you he'd goof it up. He's not the kind you can depend on to do anything right. You're hopeless, Charlie Brown. Completely hopeless. Rats! You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat! I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about.
lights, please? And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. People can be divided about what makes Christmas Christmas, but the thumb-sucking kid with the security blanket nails it. Jesus makes Christmas Christmas. It's not about us. It's for us. Christmas is about Jesus, but it's for us. It's God addressing our dysfunction, addressing our imperfections, addressing our sin. He enables us to be misfits with renewed purpose, with joy and clear identity from a Father who knows what we need when we ultimately need it, even amidst pain. And He can take an insecure, introverted kid and give him what he needs to live in the purpose and identity that he has in Jesus. That's what matters most at Christmas. You know, it was one of the 12 disciples, the guys who initially followed Jesus. One of them, his name was John, and when he wrote about the life and ministry of Jesus, he started out by saying this in verse 14 of chapter 1. He said, the Word, which was Jesus, became flesh, made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what makes Christmas Christmas. He is the greatest miracle of Christmas. God becoming flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, with us in our dysfunction. Without that, we're hopeless like Charlie Brown. We do dumb things. We're blockheads. Yet, the great, beautiful, wonderful fact of Christmas is that God loves the dysfunctional. He loves the imperfect. He loves the lowly. He's not embarrassed by our dysfunction. Rather, he jumps right into the middle of it and he invites imperfect people into perfect relationship. And then he begins to do the impossible. He begins to address our dysfunction. He begins to heal and restore and free. And I like the way author and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes this reality. He says, the miracle of all miracles is that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of human lowliness, 
but goes right into the middle of it, chooses someone as an instrument and performs miracles right there where they are least expected. I love this truth, that God loves the lowly. It's why he sent Jesus. It's why Jesus came that first Christmas, why he lived among the people of his day, why he taught and healed and cared and loved and ultimately hung on a tree not like this one, a tree that we know as a cross. He suffered for things he didn't do, but rather for things that we have done so that we can move from death to life, so that he can address our dysfunction. That's why he overcame death and the grave. But I wonder what you need for Christmas to be Christmas. The Peanuts crew thought they needed decorations, a perfect tree, a, a big show. But in reality, they didn't need any of that. And neither do we. Christmas is above decorations and trimmings and trappings. The most significant thing at Christmas is how we respond to his coming, not simply the fact that he came. We can't change the fact or influence the fact that he came. We can't stop it or undo it. We can't even live in a manner that makes it unnecessary for him to have come in the first place. We're too dysfunctional. Yet, he positions us to step into a moment where our dysfunction can be redeemed. The only thing that we can do is respond to him coming. And I wonder what you need to do for Christmas to be Christmas. It's easy to get caught up in the decorations and the traditions and the stories, even our own dysfunction. Not that unmuch like the peanuts who kind of forgot what Christmas was all about. Like them, we can do the same. Lose sight of the reality of the greatest story ever told. The only story that matters. A story that that same disciple John describes this way just a couple chapters later. He said, God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. That is possible because Jesus died on a tree and then rose from the grave after first coming in a manger. You know, this Charlie Brown Christmas tree, it's pretty awesome. It's a quirky little thing, but I think it can remind us of our dysfunction, our inadequacies, and our need for a Savior. As I've talked to people, some people, their favorite part is the single red bulb. Others, the tree itself is what they like, and it, as it bends over, they think it's cute. But you know what my favorite part of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree is? It's the blanket. And it's not because I had a blankie. <laughs> it's because of what it means. So you may not have noticed that Linus, the, the kid who found comfort and security and joy in his blanket and carried it everywhere, actually drops it as he declares what Christmas is all about. It's subtle, but it's significant. 
He does it right here. And I find it fascinating because through the whole comic strip journey, his sister, Sally, Snoopy, others all tried to get him to let go of his blanket, but he refused to do it until he proclaims what Christmas is all about. It's a beautiful moment. And it specifically occurs as he recites the words of the angels when they say, fear not, which is incredibly appropriate because that specifically deals with his personal dysfunction. It's a great moment. And it's one that we can learn from because in the same way, we need to lay down our security blankets. Until we do that, Christmas isn't Christmas. Until we lay down our pain and our brokenness and our dysfunction, we are not free. And Christmas is not truly Christmas. Until we let go of that which we consider to be most precious to us, Christmas is not fully Christmas. Until we let go of hopes and dreams and even our spouse, our family, even those worries and fears that we cling to, until then we're not free. And you know one other thing I saw in this whole story? Is that Linus actually picks his blanket back up. But by the end of the show, he lays it back down again and he wraps it around the base of the tree. And he leaves it. And he lets it go so that Christmas can be Christmas. And the truth is we can do the same thing. Christmas will never be all it can be until we lay down what is most precious to us. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus, at the tree, at the cross. Until we do that, Christmas isn't Christmas. It's the opportunity we have to respond to his coming, not simply acknowledge that he came. Until we lay down everything at the feet of Jesus, until we lay down all that we are and all that we have, every insecurity, every wound, every mistake, every hurt, worry, and fear, until we lay down every embarrassing, prideful, shameful experience, until we lay down every dysfunction, until then, Christmas is not Christmas. And I know that it's tempting to pick those things back up. Linus had an insecurity, but he found comfort in, in the reality that he could place his comfort and security in something else. He found comfort in his blanket until he could place his comfort in the great miracle of Christmas, God becoming flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. See, the birth of Jesus frees us from fear. The birth of Jesus positions us to ultimately break habits we struggle to break by his power. It enables us to let go of the things we hold so tightly to and instead cling to him. But I wonder what you need to lay down this Christmas so Christmas can be Christmas. It is tempting to pick it back up. And some of us have already done that in a moment of weakness or just out of a habit. But even then, we have the ability to experience true freedom when we lay it down for real. And we find all security, comfort, and joy in Jesus alone. But we have to respond. Our response to his coming is just as important as his coming. To not respond would be like to receive a gift at Christmas and not open it up. That would be actually silly, right? 
But we do the same thing when we don't experience all that Jesus offers, when we just acknowledge that he came, but we don't respond to it. But when we do respond, when we ask him and invite him to be Lord of our life, we give him authority in our life, we ask him to forgive us of the junk and start to work in our dysfunction, he does. He begins to heal and he gives us eternal life and he allows us to walk with God, placing our confidence not in what we have or what we've done, but totally in what he's done. But we have to lay everything down first. And that starts in a simple conversation with God where you ask Jesus to come and forgive and to be Lord of your life, to sit on the throne of your life. It's a conversation you can have right now, right where you're at. And if you've never done it, I want to encourage you to do it so that this Christmas can actually be Christmas for you. I understand that this world is full of challenges and it's really easy to embrace fear and worry. Lots of people are looking for things to cling to for security. But true joy and hope and love and comfort only come from Jesus. And Christmas reminds us of that. That no matter what you face, you can have joy. Glorious, inexpressible joy as you lay everything down at his feet. I want to leave you with one more insight from Bonhoeffer. This is what he said. He said, all who at the manger finally lay down all power and honor, all prestige, all vanity, all arrogance and self-will. All who take their place among the lowly and let God alone be on high. All who see the glory of God in the lowliness of the child in the manger. These are the ones who would truly celebrate Christmas. What do you need to do to truly celebrate Christmas? What's the thing you need to lay down right now and never pick it up again? Whatever it is, do it. Because when you do, Jesus steps into that dynamic, starts to remove the dysfunction, and gives you life to the full. What do you need to do for Christmas to be Christmas? The reality is that Christmas can be Christmas without any of these silly stories. But it cannot be Christmas without the story of God becoming man, born in a manger, the man who hung on a cross, and the same man who emptied a tomb. That story positions us for life and life to the full, above and outside our dysfunction, when we lay everything we hold precious down before him. What do you need to do for Christmas to be Christmas? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I love that because of your love, we can have hope and joy and peace and I invite you into this space to do the miraculous. God, as you sent your son Jesus as Emmanuel that first Christmas, I pray that, that this Christmas, right here, right now, you would enter this space and you would do what only you can. That you would give joy and hope and comfort as we lay down what is most precious to us so that we can truly celebrate Christmas. That we can experience the joy of redemption, the joy of hope in Jesus, the reality that he transforms and, and he overcomes our dysfunction. So Father, I pray for each one of us that we would know our next step, that we would know how to step with you where we allow you to be king this Christmas. And we wouldn't just acknowledge you came, but we would respond to it and respond in a way where you redeem our dysfunction 
where you heal and restore and you allow us to live in the freedom that Jesus offers. I thank you for your great love and I thank you for sending your son and we pray this in his name. And everybody said, amen.